Welcome to another episode of Growing Together, a podcast powered by the community of Arizona Sustainable Apparel Association, where we talk to local sustainable fashion businesses in Arizona about their brand story, passion for sustainability, and how we can all become more responsible stewards of the earth through our clothing choices. I'm your host, Madeline Dolgen. Now on to the show. Hello, everyone. Today, we are so excited to have Eartha Hubble, owner of Rivari, an online sustainable and ethical boutique, here with us to share more about her business and discuss sustainable fashion. Eartha is also the secretary of AZSAA. Hello, Eartha. Welcome to the show. Hi, Madeline. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to talk with you. Awesome. So for our first question, we always start off by trying to get a better sense of our guest's personal style. So if you were an article of clothing, what would you be and why? Such a good question. I think I'd have to say like a good jumpsuit. I'm such a jumpsuit person and it's just one and done something that can be worn like dressed up or dressed down. Uh, So yeah. I definitely think a a jumpsuit since it's just so practical. I love that answer. And to be honest, I have definitely been like fangirling on all of your jumpsuits that you have been (laughs) posting lately. And um, I have a few like maxi dresses I've been trying to kind of pair with like long sleeve shirts and different like jean jackets. So um, you're definitely an inspiration when it comes to, I think the the jumpsuit, the the easy, you know, one piece outfit and um, styling it. So I'm not surprised you said that actually at all. (laughs) (laughs) with you. Um, So tell us more about Rivari, your brand, and why you started it. Yeah, so Rivari is a sustainable, fair trade, and ethically made fashion boutique that is all online-based. I started this brand out of the desire to blend my passion for fashion and environmentalism into one. I've worked in fashion industry for quite some time now, and I started to learn more about how our clothing is made, how the people who make our clothing are treated, and it it's not great. And it just didn't, it didn't sit well with me that something that is so dear to my heart and can really drive such change um, because fashion can was had a really dark side. So I started researching brands um, and organizations that are doing things differently and working to create positive change within the fashion industry. And once I started learning more about these brands, I really wanted to support them and figure out how we can get sustainable fashion to more people and make the shopping experience easier because I would spend hours researching and making sure these brands aren't greenwashing and making sure they actually, you know, uphold these standards that they say they do. And I know everyone doesn't have that time, which is totally understandable. So I created Rivari as a place that people can shop multiple different sustainable and ethically made brands all in one place, super easy. Um, I break down all about the brand, all about their values. So people can just come to my shop and confidently shop sustainable and ethically made products. 
Awesome. You're doing all of the hard work <laughs> looking into those sustainability reports and stuff. So, so we don't have to, I, I love it. And with such a large global supply chain as the fashion industry is, it, it's so hard to, to figure out, you know, is this really a, a good brand in all of these variety of different ways, the human rights side, the environmental side, and, you know, you really break that down for the customer, which is awesome. As far as the name Ravari, it, it's so unique. Tell us a little bit more about, you know, what's the story behind the name of your brand and what does it mean to you? Yeah, honestly, the it, this story behind the name might be a little bit underwhelming. I combined words like reverie and reverence, added my own little twist on there and created Ravari. I wanted something that was not an actual real word because for from a business angle, when you Google search any real words, so many things will come up and it's never, you know, a guarantee that you will pop up on the first page, second page, even the first 10 pages. So I wanted something that was really unique. And I also wanted something that was both masculine and feminine, um, kind of a little bit ambiguous in that sense as well. Neat. And the word really sticks. Uh, I remember first meeting you at a pop-up shop, you know, many, many months ago. And just that name being so unique really did stick in my brain because it wasn't a name that I had necessarily heard of. And so I, I love hearing that story about how you just kind of crafted it from words that you liked, you know, what they meant, but made it something totally unique. Um, I think that's actually pretty cool. So as far as the sustainability aspect of your brand, there are so many you know, different aspects of sustainability. So as far as your brand specifically, what do you feel is your brand's unique contribution to the sustainability movement? So one of the things that's super unique about my site and the shopping experience on Ravari is the Ravari Eco and Ethics Guide, which is... A list of criteria that includes ethical values, fair trade, sustainably made, eco-friendly or recycled materials, vegan and cruelty-free, philanthropy, women-owned, certified B Corporation, and BIPOC-owned. So each of these values, um, the brands that I curate are carefully vetted and they have to meet two, if not more, which most of them is more than just two, um, but they have to meet at least two of these values. And every single product on my website in the product description has the appropriate logo to what values it has. So again, kind of going back to what I mentioned earlier, just making the sustainable shopping experience so much easier for people so that they really know exactly what they're getting they can feel more connected and involved in how their clothing is made. And they know, you know, if someone wants to shop specifically vegan or women owned, they can search by those values and they can see that this product has those values that they're looking for. 
That's an amazing list. I mean, all such important things. The, these brands clearly have a lot of work in order to be able to, you know, a, a adapt to, to all of those elements. Um, something I really love that you've included, um, for example, is like Black-owned businesses. I mean, that was a huge movement this past year, the Black Lives Matter movement. And I saw a lot of brands kind of getting around that and thinking about, you know, how they could connect to that larger social justice movement. I've seen you be involved and very vocal about social justice causes, you know, supporting black owned businesses, um, as well as others. So from your perspective, what do you see as the connection between fashion and social justice? Yeah, so for me, I couldn't start a brand without implementing my core values into that brand as well which is why I started a ethical slogan brand. It's definitely not because of the money. Any of my fellow sustainable fashion brands will know, I'm sure can relate. It's because this is truly what I believe in. And fashion is such an incredible catalyst for positive change. So I wanted to use my platform to inspire that change all of the social and environmental justice causes that I advocate for and donate through my company are causes that I'm truly passionate about. We can't advocate for ethical fashion, but turn a blind eye to other injustices happening around the world or even in our own backyard. A perfect example of this is feminist t-shirts fashion brands produce shirts with feminist slogans and messages of women empowerment all the time, yet they don't pay their garment workers, who are mainly women because 80% of all garment workers are women. They don't pay their workers living wages. So how can they promote empowering women when their demand for cheap labor is the direct cause for the suffering and poverty of millions of women around the world. I just, I don't agree with that performative activism on a personal level or on a business level. So I started donating a percentage of my profits to Feeding America at the very beginning of COVID. And it was supposed to be a temporary thing when I started this. It was going to be during the pandemic. Um, however, obviously the pandemic has gone on quite longer than all of us expected. Um, but in addition to that, it just felt really right for me to donate to organizations that I felt passionately about. So I implemented this into my business model um, as an initiative to donate 5% of my online sales to different organizations doing amazing work in social justice, environmental justice, women's advocacy, garment work protection, the list goes on. So every, every couple months I switch organizations and 5% of my online sales go to that organization. Wow, that that's so fantastic! I love that your ethics kind of extend, um, you know, beyond just 
what's going on within the fashion industry and how clothes are made, but also, you know, what is the larger message that's being said on the shirt? You know, I think that's sometimes an interesting point of hypocrisy between fashion brands, like you said, a feminist shirt, but, you know, are how are they empowering the women that are actually um, in their business? Sometimes there is a disconnect and I really see you seeking out brands that are living out those ethics, not only in their production and in the causes that they support. And I think your, your role model modeling that for people as well. So I know that I certainly look to you um, around, you know, these certain social justice causes to figure out how we can help, how we can be involved. So I think through your brand and connecting with these causes, um, you're helping a lot of your consumers or, you know, that you connect with also to learn and figure out how our consumption choices can also connect to those those larger causes. So overall, yeah. I just applaud, you know, what, what you're doing. And, and I think that's so awesome. Oh, thank you so much. And really, it's, I mean, one of the reasons I also wanted to donate what I can, I mean, I know I'm, I'm still such a small business and 5% may not seem like a lot, but so many organizations that are really, really doing just doing the work. And I feel like, you know, my mission, main mission is sustainable fashion. And that's what I'm really focused on. But there are so many other issues that I am passionate about, and I want to support. So that's why I kind of went that donation route in addition to, uh, you know, focusing on sustainable fashion. And I also, going back to when you were talking about kind of hypocrisy in fashion, you know, we talk a lot about like, circular manufacturing and circular economies. And me, it's almost like as from a brand or from a retail point of view, I feel like having that, I guess you could say like circular branding almost of, you know, we're not just putting out shirts that say, that have a feminist slogan, but we're not paying our, our female workers a decent living wage. It's it's the full circle. We're treating our female workers with respect. We're putting out there that empowers women. We're any of our employees that are women. We're empowering or you know whatever the message might be. It's that's the whole cycle, and you're hitting every. And that's what I strive to do. And again, I am such a small business. I'm just, I'm a team open right now, but I'm implementing those things from the beginning because that's what I'm truly passionate about and truly believe. And I think it's important to have that even from the start, even when you are, you know, a smaller business. Well, small, but certainly mighty, <laughs> right? Right, Eartha? I mean, you're, you're really accomplishing a lot and just how much heart and soul, you know, you're putting into each of those decisions. And um, I love that you brought up circular economy. As you know, I'm also a huge fan of that topic because I think it just has so much potential to address so many of our modern day challenges kind of all in one. And I really see circular economy challenging this dominant paradigm that everything needs to grow and be profit-based. And, you know, there are definitely some good reasons about how beneficial profit can be. I mean, profit and the industrial revolution has pulled a lot of people out of poverty. I mean, there's 
been a lot of good, but if we simply focus on the drive for profit, every step of the way, there are things that are being cut that are really important, like the wages of somebody who's producing our garments, or if we're switching to synthetic fabrics because it's cheaper, we're then um, you know harming the environment more from the chemicals that are used in in the process. So I think sometimes that drive towards profit is, is that negative side of things. And how I see circular economy challenging that is reminding us to think about um, not just focus on growth, but also think about um, social growth and, and human development. Um, and so if you're going to throw up, uh, you know, cause you support on, on your shirt, the, the real way you can have that larger impact is by also then addressing that um, human welfare in your own brand and, and environmental welfare. So I, I think that is a, a fascinating way to look at it as a brand, you know, how are you bringing the causes you support full circle? <laughs> I guess you could say. Exactly. Yes. So to switch to, you know, a little bit less serious topic, in addition to uh, focusing on some of these like super important, serious social justice causes, um, you also have some adorable photos on your website and your Instagram. I know you've pulled together some models to do photo shoots. Can you share more, you know, from the perspective of a business owner, how does one kind of put together a photo shoot? Where do you find models? What has that creative experience been like for you? Yeah. So I, I mean, Instagram has been an amazing tool to network with people to find models and photographers as well. Sometimes I do take the photos myself that you might see on my website. Um, sometimes I work with photographers, which is always uh, such a such a special treat when I do get to work with a photographer and I just have to focus on the styling. But yeah, usually on Instagram, there's someone might reach out to me or I might find someone in the Arizona area that I feel like would really embody the Ravari brand. Um, a lot of times the people that I asked to model might have some type of background in sustainability or just something that they are passionate about and they, um, you know, just live their life with that passion. It doesn't even need about sustainability, but I'm just really drawn to that. Um, so I might reach out to them and ask them to be involved in the shoe. And I feel like that passion just kind of comes through the photos. You can really see that. That's so great. I love, you know, the aesthetic of just letting somebody be authentically themselves and, and carry their passion into it. You can always, you know, just tell in the photos that whoever you have is, you know, have their modeling is having such a, such a blast. Um, and, you know, I think that that's so, so important to you to follow your passion. So that's neat. You've been able to connect with, with people through your brand and the photo shoots. Uh, definitely. And I tell people that just, natural, natural hair, natural makeup to come as you, because that's what I want to see in these photos, just authentic individuals. 
Yeah. And I think more and more that's becoming the aesthetic <laughs> as much as, you know, it's so fun to get dressed up and, and throw things on, you know, throw on a, a gorgeous gown for an occasion. Um, sometimes, you know, the reality is most days you're just going to be you and, and your natural self and, and being able to highlight and showcase that that is beautiful and that is fashionable, I think is always such a good reminder, especially to women and to men, you know, we all have those insecurities. So, you know, I think that that's another aspect of empowerment, right, that um, that fashion brands are starting to get on board with. Um, and it's exciting to to see that movement. Definitely. Yeah. So as far as being a solo business owner, I'm sure there's been some ups and downs. So what's been something that's been challenging? I would say one of the challenges is probably balancing starting my business and running my business full-time with also having a quote-unquote day job as well. I think a lot of times in the entrepreneurial space, it's almost expected that you kind of drop everything. You start, you start something from the ground up and that's what you do all day and night. And if that is your path, that's amazing. Um, but I also think if you want a little bit of security of also having a, again, quote unquote, day job while starting your business, that's also great as well. And that's kind of the route that I have gone. Um, but it is, they can be a challenge because my, my business is full-time and then I work not quite full-time, um, but just at an, a, another business as well. So balancing that and finding, um, being able to put in the boundaries for me, I still have some, some downtime and enough time for my business and is always a challenge. And I'm constantly kind of checking in with myself and like, okay, am I, have I taken too much? Am I, am I getting stressed about this? What can I do differently? Um, so that's one thing. And also, I mean, the pandemic 2020 was an interesting year for sure. Um, however, how people came together during the pandemic to support small sustainable business was pretty amazing to see. I didn't know what was going to happen to my business when COVID started and everything shut down. It was definitely pretty scary, but people showed up metaphorically, obviously, (laughs) um, but they, they showed up and supported me and so many other small businesses. So that was honestly like beautiful. So many people have been affected by COVID, especially financially. So to see people still caring so much about sustainability and garment worker rights to support small ethical businesses during a global pandemic was was really incredible so even though it was a challenge and learning to kind of pivot your brand I mean thankfully I I am all online based essentially um, but I I do pop-ups as well and that is a pretty big part of my business so from pivoting to having both those outlets to just having online was 
was a challenge and in terms of how long the pandemic lasted being able to switch up so okay we pivoted once and now it's like okay this shoot this is lasting longer than we expected how do we how do we keep being fresh and new with like literally no new content speaking of photo shoots I wasn't able to do any for a long time it was all just me having to wear the clothes myself and so how do we keep it fresh and new and even with all of that just it seeing the support and the people come out and support small businesses was it it made it worth it made it not seem as as hard of a challenge that it was thanks for sharing those challenges i mean the first one about juggling a, a day job and a side business you know i imagine a lot of our listeners might be wanting to start their own business but they're concerned about the security you know like it it is a big risk to go out on a limb and to drop everything and to be an entrepreneur but that is not always the way that you have to do it. I myself have actually been working with a career coach recently, and she sort of exposed me to the fact that you don't just have to have a typical nine to five, 40 hour a week job, or like your passion needs to be in a structured Monday through Friday. She said that you, you know, sometimes people have a day job, so they have the you know, they have the stability and they can pay their bills and then they can do their creative outlet on the side. And, you know, maybe money comes from both, but there's a variety of different ways that we can kind of fit all of our passions um, into one. And sometimes, like you said, entrepreneurship is just seen as, wow, that person risked everything. And then it just like works mm -hmm. out for them. <laughs> and that's like really mm -hmm. scary to, to think about it that way. So there are ways to kind of balance and, and ease yourself into it. And that's like totally okay. You know, I think like sometimes our, our job represents our identity, but, you know, maybe we can have multiple jobs and, and multiple things that we're connected to. And I certainly feel like our millennial generation is also leading this path forward of, you know, you don't have to just have a 40 hour a week job. You can do this as your passion and this and, and this. And so um, it's cool to hear from you that you have this really successful business and you're also juggling a day job and, you know, our listeners can do that too. And then the pandemic, wow. I mean, just to be a small business and make it through the pandemic, certainly, certainly a huge, a huge challenge. I personally feel like it's kind of been the year of small businesses. It's sort of like reminded us how awesome and amazing small businesses are. And so for me, it's, it's really been a, a positive of showing me <laughs> the importance of, of shopping local. And these businesses really do rely on our local dollars. And I want to keep funding here in the economy and in Arizona in a place that I love and, and to support local. So also seeing AZSAA sort of come into its own during the yes, pandemic. Yeah. I mean, I've been able to connect with so many local brands because I haven't been able to travel distances. And it's been amazing to see what's right here around me that I never would have known actually, if we didn't have this crazy sort of pandemic, um, experience. So it's great to hear that you've kind of survived through it and adapted quickly. And the last thing it makes me think of is 
why another reason it's another reason why sustainability is so important you know we never know when crazy things like the pandemic mm-hmm. are going to hit or changing and um, or just big changes that we have to face and i truly believe that businesses that are taking into account sustainability are going to be much more resilient to these changes that are coming their way I just forced myself through a sustainable finance class. I'm not much of a math major. Um, But the biggest takeaway from that was businesses that are already paying attention to and incorporating um, environmental risks within their businesses, they are much more financially healthy. Like across the board, every study has shown that that if you take into account the risks that are going to happen from um, environmental changes and you're already finding ways to be a a better business, um, you're also going to be a a more uh, financially healthy business too. Those two things seem to have a really strong correlation. So if you want to last through, you know, these crazy challenges, that's another reason why sustainability is is so important. So thanks for raising, you know, and sharing both of those challenges. Yeah, of course. And I love that you pointed out how 2020 kind of seemed to be the year for small businesses. And it's like, on one hand, it's heartbreaking to see how many brick and mortar businesses, whether it was fashion or restaurants, did have to close. And that was so hard to see. But on the other hand, it was amazing to see a lot of these businesses, whether they're online or in person and online, just flourish and, you know, blow up during the pandemic because people were, I think, really came to the realization that if I want this business that I love to still be around after all of this, I should probably really go out and support it because it's a very real thing that if, you know, almost a year of lockdown, like how does a business survive that? So it, it was just such an interesting time to like, on one hand, kind of have these devastating effects of COVID, but on the other hand, just seeing how many businesses were created because of it, because people had more time and were able to start maybe their passion project. And then also the already established businesses that just flourished and have gained such a following. So that, that was pretty amazing to see. Yeah, I'm definitely mourning the loss of some, you know, small businesses, unfortunately, but I think there's both been the the positives and the negatives that we hold, you know, simultaneously from this experience. Um, but I think for all, it's been a wake up call about how important, um, you know, supporting businesses that you care about is, you know, regardless mm-hmm. of whether it's a pandemic um, or after. And I hope that some of the lessons that we've learned from this past year, um, including the importance of um, sustainability. This would be a whole nother podcast, but I truly believe there's some connections between the environmental damage and more pandemics and, and diseases that we humans are being exposed to. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I really hope that our care for the environment and, and humans and, you know, understanding that our dollar matters as, as consumers, you know, I hope that we take all those lessons with us and really carry it on beyond this pandemic. Agreed. 
Yeah. So now that you've, you know, been doing Rivari for a few years, you're immersed in all of these like awesome, cool, sustainable brands. I'm curious, how has your personal style or relationship to clothing changed since, you know, becoming more interested in um, sustainable fashion or just sustainability in general? Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd say necessarily my style has changed too much. I mean, my style almost changes daily, like depending on the mood I'm in, but my relationship to clothing has definitely changed even since before I started Rivari, but really started to just research, you know, what goes into our clothing. And I started, you know, chopping fabrics that are more natural based, not synthetic. And then from there, I started to not shop new clothing that was not from sustainable brands really at all. Um, I mean, definitely sometimes I might like, you know, go to Target and buy a pack of socks or something like that. But in terms of like clothing items, I don't really shop any new like fast fashion brands anymore. Um, I only shop the like sustainable brands that I carry or I thrift. You know, thrift shopping is such an amazing way to shop more consciously, especially if you're on a budget, that thrifting is just such an incredible outlet for that. So yeah, my, my relationship with clothing has definitely changed a lot. I, when I was younger, I, I loved to shop. I was also such a shoe girl, loved buying shoes and shopping. I remember when I was like maybe 10 or so me and one of my friends, we saved up like a hundred dollars from babysitting and stuff. And we went to the mall and like went on a little shopping spree, like since day one, I, I loved to shop, but just once I started learning more about how our clothing is made and just the crazy negative impact it has on our environment and how people are treated, that desire to shop fast fashion just faded away. You know, it, it wasn't overnight, but I definitely, if I go to the mall now, I don't have a desire to buy any clothing there, Um, which is interesting because I always thought it would be, I always thought the temptation would still be there, but I would just, you know, have to be like, no, you know, I know what goes into it and I don't want to support that. But now it's really, I'm at a point of, it's not the the temptation's not even there. The desire is not even there because it's like, as soon as I look at a piece, I can be like, oh, it's cute. But I see everything that went on behind it. I can see it. Yeah. Once you, once you see, you know, the garments made out of synthetic fabrics and you see it so cheap, it's no longer as cool. 
right? That's kind of the experience I felt. I, I agree with you about that temptation. It, it would, you know, felt like it would be so hard to make this change to being more sustainable because I, you know, want all the cute styles at Forever 21. And, you know, I, I think once you get your hands on a real sustainably ethically made garment and you just realize how much better it feels and like how much better you feel about purchasing it. Um, for mm-hmm. me, that really helps the temptation of like the cheap goods go away. I also started reflecting on the fact that I would purchase things just because they were cheap. Like I have this, I always give this example, but I got this shirt, pretty shirt forever 21 that was like pink with black polka dots. And I didn't totally love it, but I thought it was kind of cute and it was only $5. So I'm like, well, what's $5 in the scheme of things? So I bought it and I swear I tried it on with like hundreds of outfits and never wore it out of the house because I really didn't actually like it. I simply bought it because it was cheap. And, you know, that used to be the kind of temptation of, oh, well, it's so cheap. I might as well get it. I'll wear it someday. But like, how ridiculous was it that I would like put that on spend like forever trying to get ready. And at the end of the day, not even wear it. Like, you know, when you have to be more thoughtful, I think about these higher priced garments, which are higher priced because they're paying fair wages and they're mm-hmm. using natural materials. Um, you know, and, and you put all that thought into it. I think just the experience of wearing it is just, is, is so much better. So I think that helps with the, helps the temptation go away when you just realize how much better a sustainable purchase is. Um, and I'm sure now that you spend all the time doing all the research and you, you've collected all of these incredible brands. I mean, it's, it's easy to make a whole wardrobe out of them. There, there's some great brands out there, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I completely agree with you. And also I know sustainable fashion definitely can be pricier and as you mentioned there there's a reason behind that the materials and the manufacturing processes and people are getting paid fair living wages and I understand that not you know it's definitely a privilege to be able to shop sustainably that's that's not thrifting however one of the things I strive for with Rivari as well is to really focus on affordable brands that have that sustainable and ethical mission because sometimes when you look at things and compare them they're not they're not more expensive whether it's literally the price is cheaper than like a quote-unquote fast fashion brand or the quality and the amount of time you'll have it, your cost per wear, it ends up being cheaper. A perfect example is I carry Girlfriend Collective Activewear, which is ethically made from recycled plastic water bottles. Their leggings are $68 to $78. Sustainably made, ethically made. That is like 20 to 30, if not more, dollars cheaper than Nike and Lululemon, whose leggings have been proven to be see-through, not last, get pilly. And I've had my girlfriend leggings for two plus years, the same pair for over two years, and they still fit perfectly. They're not see-through. So sometimes it really isn't even more expensive to shop sustainably. You just have to find the, the brands that are able to do things a little more affordably. And that's, again, I know not everyone has that time to do all that research. 
So that's one of the things that I, I really, really strive to do with Rovari is keep it very affordable with also staying in those values of making sure the workers are paid paid fairly and that the, the garments are good quality. That's a great point about affordability. I think that the price of a sustainable garment might actually be one of the biggest misconceptions that I think is hindering people from shopping sustainably. And as you're showing us, the price doesn't necessarily go up so drastically just because it's sustainable and because you're paying a, a fair wage, especially when you think about luxury brands where people are simply paying that much money for the brand name being you know, logoed on the side. I mean, if we're paying for just a brand name like that, we can certainly pay a little bit more for a garment that was that was made ethically and, and fairly. And I think when you break down those prices too, and you see everything that goes into it, it it's easier to, to pay for that because you, you understand, wow, okay, that actually took a lot of work and time and materials and it costs this much and the worker, you know, needs to eat. And so when you actually break that down, I, I feel like those prices feel reasonable. So I'm glad that you you brought that up. And, and certainly when you go on your website, it doesn't feel like I'm shopping coach or some, you know, drastically high end brand. It, it's definitely been in my price range, or you can find those brands secondhand. I tend to always look for um, Eileen Fisher when I go thrifting because um, her yes, brand is yes. a little bit, you know, out of my price range, but I find a lot of, you know, great products with, with her name secondhand as well, you know, so you can find ways to still, I think, contribute to the sustainable fashion movement in a way that works for, works for your budget. And if, you know, price, I think is the one thing holding people back. I'm sure you could, or, you know, our, our community would love to kind of talk through how do you create a sustainable wardrobe on a budget. And I feel positive that, that there are, are certainly ways to do it like you shared. Yeah, definitely. And I like that you mentioned too, in terms of like shopping brand names, I think a lot of times I always say like a f the first step, if anyone is interested in shopping more sustainably, the first step is always just shopping more consciously. You know, I, I never say anyone needs to like overhaul their wardrobe or only buy sustainable brands from here on out or anything like that. No, the first step is just shopping more consciously. And that could be realizing, am I buying this product just because of the brand name or am I buying it because I actually think it's a truly good quality garment at a good price? I mean, like I was saying with the leggings, like I'm just always astounded. Like why would someone buy Lululemon for a hundred dollars when you could get girlfriend collective for $68 and it's sustainably made like it's cheaper or I used to work at free people and they would sell graphic tees for like $78 and like Daisy LA has a one of a kind and you would see you would see the same people wearing that same graphic tee from free people all the time so it's not unique, which is totally fine. But I always like to usually have something a little bit more unique. And I'm like, Daisy LA, organic cotton t-shirts, like unique handmade design, women-owned business, $52, which I understand can be a little bit pricey for a t-shirt for sure. But if you're buying a graphic tee for $78 because of the brand name of it, 
and then complaining that sustainable fashion is too expensive. I think it's just, there's not the awareness of sustainable fashion enough that people don't understand that there are affordable brands as well. And you can just shop more consciously and ask yourself these questions of like, why do I feel like spending $78 on this shirt is okay, but $52 on this shirt isn't because it's not as like well-known or so I always say to start just like ask yourself some of these these basic questions to get to understand your shopping patterns really and understand what might work best for you to start your sustainable shopping journey and like where you can start integrating like small steps of of shopping more more consciously That's great advice and not to belabor the point of cost anymore, but I think that the more that we support some of these sustainable brands, you know, that also helps them be able to lower their, their prices Mm -hmm, to stay, stay in business. So it's definitely, I think a relationship between the consumer and and these brands, if we support these good brands, you know, that can also help um, make them affordable, but yeah, we could go on and on about, I think, consumer psychology too, and shopping habits and, and I know we got a little off track here. (laughs) No worries. I, I, you know, I think it's such important things and, and I'm really glad that you raised the topic about price. Cause I, like I said, I really feel like that's kind of a misconception and something that holds people back from shopping sustainably. So, you know, I'm glad that we were able to kind of bring some, you know, perspective to that based on your experience of connecting with, you know, these different brands and, and finding options that are affordable and, and ethical. So thank you so much for sharing with us about your journey and, and building this business and all the knowledge that you've gained throughout the journey, um, regarding, sustainable fashion as well. So tell our listeners, you know, how can they find you if they're trying to create a sustainable wardrobe and they don't know where to go? You're such a great resource. So how can they check you out and connect with you? Yeah, you can find me at shop Ravari, R-E-V-A-R-I.com or at, at shop Ravari on Instagram and Facebook. You can always, anyone can feel free to DM me on Instagram. I'm always happy to just talk or answer questions or anything. Awesome. And if you enjoyed hearing more from Eartha today, she's also, as I mentioned, our secretary here at AZSAA. So I know that she's going to be vocal on our, you know, social media pages as well and um, attending a lot of our different events. So hopefully, you know, if you come engage with our community, you'll also have a chance to interact with her as well. So thanks again, Eartha. This was such a fun um, conversation. It's always a joy to chat with you. So thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much.